Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hello and welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast with your host me, Leanne Spencer. My guest this week is James Routledge. James runs a company called Sanctus. Uh, He describes himself as building the Nike of mental fitness. And he explains exactly what he means by that in this podcast episode. But we also talk about James's personal story, uh, why it's so important to open up and when he opened up about how he was feeling, uh, what a difference that made to his own well-being. We talk about how the world is starving for truth and what happened when James wrote a blog blog post about how he was feeling. He talks about sleep, meditation, fitness, mindfulness, gratitude journaling, uh, journaling, creating a safe space to talk and how all of those things means that he can stay well. And he's put all that into practice in his business. Um, You can contact James at at JD underscore Routledge on Twitter. His email is james at sanctus.io and the business URL is www.sanctus.io. Enjoy the show. James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Leanne. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, On your LinkedIn profile, you say that you are building the Nike of mental fitness. Let's start there. What what do you mean by that? Um, I suppose with mental health, and mental fitness, we've all, I've always tried to make the analogy between physical health. And I think if you look sort of 50 years ago, let's say, or kind of like post-war, um, actually kind of working out your mental health or investing in your diet or your body or whatever wasn't that kind of commonplace, really. Um, and it was really, there's been a massive shift and a huge movement in the way that people treat their body. Um, and that's been kind of encapsulated by brands like Nike and Adidas and Puma and all of these businesses and, and brands and whatnot that have cropped up in the physical health space. And the way I see mental health right now is that there's a shift happening and that people are starting to view their mental health differently. They're starting to want to take control of it, to invest in it, to make themselves mentally fitter and stronger um and i suppose our vision for sanctus which is the business i'm running now is to kind of be the brand which almost kind of redefines what mental health looks like and changes the perception of mental health from what right now can be seen as quite a stigmatized perception that's quite dark and and depressing to um a perception of mental health which is which is much more positive Brilliant. I, I love that. I absolutely love that philosophy. Do you happen to know a chap called Jeff McDonald? Yes, do actually. Right. Although we've not met, we're kind of um, email friends. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely meet him. He was on our show, well, by the time this goes out, it's been a few weeks ago. And he also talks about the need for aspirational role models. And he, say, he says, when you go into a big sporting goods store, um, you have plastered across the walls, you have images of these finely tuned honed athletes that we aspire to be like so we buy the kit and he said mental health should be exactly the same so he's got a really similar philosophy you should definitely connect with him Um, how did you get into this how much has your own personal story informed what you do now Uh, massively really um it's the whole business i think was uh, and the whole mission was started off the back of my story and off the back of my need i think if if i'm if i'm really honest Mm. uh I was 
I was at a point a couple of years ago where I had bad mental health, like that, that simple, really. I, I didn't know it because I didn't really know much about mental health at that time. I think what I was feeling and um, I, I didn't really make the, the link or the correlation between the way I was feeling and my mental health just because I just had a complete lack of awareness, lack of education and understanding around mental health. Um, but yeah, I pretty much had a period in my life where going through a lot of change, um, I was quite, I was almost suffering a bit of an identity crisis, to be honest. Um, I just shut down a business that I'd started at university. So I was kind of going through this, just this turbulent period of trying to work out like who I was really, like moved back into London, didn't have much financial security, didn't have much stability in where I was, uh, where I was living. Um, trying to work out if the job I was in was was the right job for me, if it kind of fit with, I suppose, with my values, mm-hmm. what, are, what were my values, and just lots of kind of like co- inner conflicts. Yeah. Um, How old were you then? So I was about, I was about, yeah, 24 then. So right. not, not old, not massively experienced, um, very much still trying to work out who, who I was and, and just really just very confused, I think. Um, and that was really kind of starting to manifest in in like anxiety, really. Um, and I would, I would often feel very anxious um, and really kind of quite um, lots of kind of self torment and really questioning myself and lots of inner conflict and um, kind of being quite hard on myself and quite self deprecating and lots of really sort of really unhelpful and um, yeah uh, inner in chatter basically in my head. Um, really not not thinking much of myself as well you know I used to I went for a long period of even though I was on paper very good at my job kind of waking up thinking I'm going to get sacked um, which is just a completely irrational thought but it, it just constantly goes through my head mm. um, and I never really verbalised that or articulated it or talked about it to anyone um, for a couple of reasons really one because I didn't know how to I genuinely didn't know how to feel feelings and then how to talk about them and then secondly I suppose I didn't really want to admit to myself and then to others like how I was feeling because I was I was scared of of judgment of you know what would what I would have to deal with if I did talk about it um so I really kind of found this lack of awareness around my own mental health but then lack of a a real i suppose safe space that made me feel comfortable enough to talk about it mm. um it, it didn't make me feel weird or broken yeah um there's did, a lot of sorry go on did you feel that pressure more do you or do you think it's it's harder for men to speak out or do you think irrespective of gender this is how you were feeling and I think I actually personally, I actually personally think it's irrespective of gender. Um, mm. The actual beautiful thing about mental health is that you know everyone has mental health, no matter what yep. your gender, your sexuality, your your ethnicity, like you know anything. It's we all have mental health, and it's actually a very I personally think it's a very humanizing topic, um, which I hope really brings people together as, as the kind of years go by more and more. Um, and I think as a guy, it's not that I was incapable of speaking about my feelings and my mental health, and I don't think guys are incapable. I just think guys, and I speak for myself here, put themselves in less situations where it's it's kind of good, okay to talk. Um, for me personally, 
a lot of my time was spent in in big groups of guys kind of wait maybe watching sport or you know going out drinking and that's not really a good environment to, to really kind of um, start to be to become open and be, be vulnerable perhaps so I just put myself in less situations where it's where it was where it was possible really to talk uh, and if anything I put myself in no situations where where I could kind of kind of open up mm. um, and I think that's the that's the main difference I think between stereotypically between between um, men and women um, men just ha- are in less situations I think where they can kind of open up and, and start to be vulnerable and talk about their mental health and I, I know certainly I was in very very few situations where I would ever do that mm. um, and that was yeah and that, that was I suppose the real the real thing for me was just that lack of space um, and I think that was compounded by when I did start to kind of I wasn't actively reaching out, but I started to kind of, you know, I think the first port of call for a lot of people these days is, is Google. You know, you go on Google and you type in how you're feeling and you self-diagnose. And, and that's what really scared me. It made me really realize that there was a problem, that there was, uh, well, at first it made me think there was a problem with me because, I mean, you start to type in anxiety and, and the feelings I was feeling at the time and, and you'll get some very scary results at the top of Google. It was it was generalized anxiety disorder, it was mental illness, it was suicide, depression. And that really scared me. And it made me feel broken, if I'm honest. Like I was I was something that needed fixing. Um, yeah. and you know, that's really not a very nice feeling to be honest. Um, and again it made me want to talk about it less. But but actually, I knew deep down that I wasn't broken. Um, I just knew that I was going through a, a challenging part of my life, and you know, I just I knew I had some stuff that I needed to to talk about and to, and uh, to get through. Um, and that was that really. I think that was the thing that spurred me on the most, actually, to do what I'm doing now, because that was the way that everything, all the current solutions out there now, made me feel. Um, was was really not a good feeling in that space. That's the perception that I suppose I really want to change now. Mm. And how bad did it get for you? Um, the worst it got for me was was panic attacks um, or, or sort of anxiety attacks. I suppose whatever you want to call them. Can you describe what that's like for anyone who hasn't gone through that? Is listening? Yeah, yeah. Experienced um, at first, I remember what. I, I first started having them, I think, in the middle of the night. So I would like wake up in the middle of the night, and I think lots of people do this, but maybe don't associate with it, and kind of wake up in shock, and big intake of breath. I'd be out of breath, my heart would be pounding, um, I'd be sweating. And first time, I obviously thought that was like a nightmare or something, um, but it happened a few times actually, and it started happening quite consistently. And I basically wake up in a panic. Um, and then I had the, the worst it got for me was probably uh, Old Street Tube Station going down the escalator, and a bit. To be honest, the panic attack. I, I've never had a stroke um, and touch wood. Uh, that doesn't happen for a long time, or not at all. But it kind of. I thought I was having a stroke. My heart started beating really quickly. I got this real rush of adrenaline. I started to real to sweat quite profusely. I was out of breath. Um, it was really quite scary, um, and my first reaction was, "This is something to do with my heart or my, you know, my physical health." I'd never, never thought that my mental health could could manifest in such a almost vicious way, um, mm. and that happened a few times. And I, I think that was, yeah, that that was my lowest 
point in terms of where I was, I was, I was mindful of what was happening to me. Um, yeah, that was, that was probably, that was the moment that I was like, I mean, look, James, you can be as stubborn as you like, but mm. you know, your, your body is literally screaming at you, yeah. telling you that there's something, you know, that you need to either get off your chest or to talk about. Yeah. So what was your next step? So from there, what did I do from there? Um, actually, the next step from there, that was, that was when I just realized that I needed to just talk to someone, um, whoever it was, to just kind of, to mainly just try and work out what was happening. Um, I was, like I said, I was scared, but I was never, I was never like petrified of like, you know, am I gonna die or anything like that? Um, I was just scared that, of what was happening. Um, and the first person I chatted to was my flatmate, to be honest. Um, in a very English manner, I just, I had a cup of tea. Um, <laughs> and it was really kind of like, actually in the end, to be honest, there was no big, cli- and the no big climax. It was kind of just almost nonchalantly. I was just, I just told my flatmate what had happened that day with the panic attack. And um, I think the thing that surprised me the most, and, and this is not to say that my flatmate's a bad friend, but he almost wasn't that bothered. Um, and what I mean by that is that it's been a huge, huge deal to me. Um, but to him, it was just like, he kind of was just like, mate, like you're obviously, he said the words, he was like, mate, it sounds like you're really stressed. And that sounds such a small interaction, but that night I went away and wrote in my journal and I wrote the sentence like, I'm stressed and anxious and that's okay. Mm. And and that probably that that simple sentence was probably the biggest turnaround in my mental health in a year. Yeah, you know, that, very powerful. It was it was massive because it was um, it was acceptance. Like I really accepted that. Yeah, I was I was feeling stressed. Um, I was feeling anxious, but but that's fine. Mm. You know, that's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and that was really big for me. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Having the, the power of those simple words written down and just giving yourself permission, I guess, to think, yeah, that's how I feel and that's okay. Um, yeah. I think that will be very helpful for people. You, you wrote a post on Medium, I think, that then really changed things in terms of your um, the work well, behind Sanctus or was that before Sanctus? Yeah, what happened no, there? Yeah, you, you're right. So um, it's, 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 you know, you used the word permission then and it really, really sort of struck me because... I think we often talk about um, in mental health giving other people permission to open up and I think in that in that what I've just described there I kind of gave permission to myself to open up and um, yeah that was a really big part of my journey and and like I said after I'd kind of given myself that permission um, I kind of I kind of made a I made a, a resolution to myself I actually made a new year's resolution saying you know I, I want to be more open um, I remember thinking like look obviously this lack of openness, James, is kind of, it's holding you back. Like it's, it's, it's making you feel bad. Um, so if I can be a bit, little bit more open about my feelings and, and, and what's going on for me, then, then hopefully that will serve me well. And I kind of really uh, <laughs> executed on that, <laughs> on that, um, on that New Year's resolution. And like you just mentioned, that led me to write a blog post because I'd kind of been after after I'd kind of decided to open up a little bit more, I'd started to have these conversations just a bit more offhand with people um, and just be a little bit more honest when in conversation with people about how I was really feeling, which which was kind of natural to me. 
Um, but I was finding that the conversations I was having were were really really valuable to me and to the other people to, to the other person. And I was finding myself having these really quite sort of open, genuine, honest conversations with people um, about kind of real feelings and you know there's real substance and depth to these conversations. So I kind of got to the point where I was like. I just want to write this down and kind of just get it out there. Um, and I think it was almost like I wanted to come out. That's the best analogy I can make. Mm. You know, it's like I just wanted to just to just to just say it. I think a big thing for me that caused a lot of the anxiety and the, the conflict had been the disconnect between the person that I was presenting to the to the outside world, especially across social media and and a front that I'd built built up perhaps. And, and how I was really feeling. And, and that, that caused a lot of friction within me, I think. And with this post, I kind of just wanted to just be like, you know what, um, can I swear on this podcast? You can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to be, I, I call it the fuck it blog post because I just wanted to be like, fuck it, like, yeah. let's just say it. Um, and, and it was, yeah, and I just wrote this really raw, honest blog post called mental health and startups startups it was the industry i'd kind of come out of mm. um, and, and played into my um definitely into my mental health a lot uh, and it had been a big reason i think for that kind of cri- almost crisis of identity i'd had um, and i just wrote it and it was really honest there was no selling there was no pitching there was no this is what i've learned there was no kind of me trying to tell people what they should do it was just me like it was it really was um and i wrote that and and it was ex- very quickly it was extremely well received um i got it got you know got tens of thousands of views in, in wow. a couple of days which was just you know utter madness for me in my blog like no one was reading it before mm. uh, and it sparked off just so many connections and and conversations with people that i was close to before or uh, that i'd never met before that you know we're, we were kind of facebook friends and my inboxes were just were just full yeah. um, and i think the messages that, that struck me the most were the ones from from my close friends um because that they all could have kind of took the same tone of you know i had no idea mate um and and a, and a lot of a lot of times my friends a lot of my mates especially guys would would almost kind of apologize and and take note that actually the environment that we create as guys was not always conducive to those kind of conversations mm. uh, you know everyone was well aware of that um, and then often the most powerful part of those conversations was a, was an acknowledgement of me too um, and a lot of my mates you know would share stuff with me that I never knew um, and again, we would kind of go on to have a really open and honest conversation about that, which which kind of brought me closer to them yeah. uh, afterwards. So it was it was a big turning point for me. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I saw someone on stage last year, um, and it, one of the things keeping on the theme of swearing as well that he said on stage, which really resonated with me, is the world is fucking starving for truth. And yeah. I think it is that in, the, in particularly in in today's world with social media and people falsely portraying themselves. Uh, to themselves and to the outside world on social and all that kind of stuff that we're all very familiar with when you actually put something out there which is raw and honest and not designed to garner likes or get retweets or or anything else it's simply I I just need to do this actually and I think it's going to help people blum it's out there 
yeah. I think the world is starving for that particular kind of truth. And I, you know, acknowledge you for, for doing that. I think it's it's that we need aspirational role models and people who will speak very openly about how they're feeling. Um, so you know, I think that's that's great. What's what is it that you do to keep well now? What's some of your personal practice? And it what what for you as well feeds into mental health? Well, I think after, after writing that post. And, and for the last 18 months, really, I've just been on this immense journey of, I, I, would, I would really call it self-exploration, I suppose, um, even though that uh, sounds odd to say that. It doesn't feel like a, a phrase that is kind of, uh, is, uh, is well used at the moment. But after writing that post, it was real, it was a real, it was mind-blowing for me. To, to I kind of went through this process of, as ridiculous as it sounds, realising that I had mental health and that I am present in the world and that I can like actually actively change the way I feel and perceive the world and the people around me and people in it. Um, which is just like a, a big kind of awareness shift. It's like I became aware almost. Um, so I, I went on this journey of, of literally just kind of throwing myself into the deep end of anything mental health or well-being related really um so i got into meditation mindfulness journaling therapy group therapy coaching flotation tanks <laughs> you know like writing publicly mm -hmm. just you know reading playing around with my fitness regime sleep all this kind of stuff um so I really did try a lot of things. Um, and I think the one thing I, I learned very quickly is that there is no kind of silver bullet. You know, I think I often, I, initially I was definitely looking for the one thing that would just make me mentally happy and well all the time. Mm -hmm. um, whether that be meditation or journaling, perhaps, as, as the two may be the front runners. And I, I soon realized that that's definitely not the case. Um, and I think one of the things that I realized was that it's kind of really important to have this almost just this like toolkit and this like um, this kind of ammunition of, 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 of techniques or things that you can do for your mental health that, that you know um, kind of just make you feel good. Um, and for me, that there's been a few really ones that have really stood out. Journaling, journaling is, is, was, has been big for me yeah. um, and it's something that I consistently do. Is that for uh, gratitude or, or just general uh, journaling, I've, you know, like I've a diary? Done, done a few different things, yeah. The, the one I've actually stayed most consistent with is just a longer form kind of journal entry, and uh, mm -hmm. maybe every two weeks, where I kind of just sit down, you know, try and just have a nice, when it's a nice quiet evening, I've got a bit of alone time, put some music on and just kind of just write for like an hour or maybe a little bit longer sometimes. And it's it's really just a a place to vent, a place to unload. It's just an outlet for me. Yeah, and that's private for you. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I sometimes talk about my reflections with other people, um, but I, I, I don't share, I don't share that journal with anyone. I don't really intend to either. Mm -hmm. um, and then something I do less often, but I kind of dip in and out of is, yeah, is, is as you just mentioned, gratitude journaling. So, um, you know, write down three things I'm grateful for um, at the start of the day maybe write down the one thing I'd love to get done that day, which would make it a good day. Um, and then before bed, possibly write down um, 
you know, three things that happened that day, which, which, which were amazing. Yeah. Um, there's, the, there's one I add to that, actually, which is who, who needs my help or who can I help today mm. um, or for the following day? Because I tend to do it at the end of the day. And I, I like that one because the others are, are all about self. You know, what am I yeah. grateful for? What inspires me? The other one takes you out of self and it's about somebody else. So I quite like to, I, I do it intermittently, but I yeah. do, what, what am I grateful for? Who inspires, sorry, what am I grateful for? What inspires me? Who else can yeah. I help or serve? I find yeah. those to be quite powerful. Yeah, and I found those to be, I found, the, I found what, my, what I found is that I have periods where I, I will journal every day for a few weeks and then I have periods where I stop and I don't do it as much. And, mm. Um, so I kind of dip in and out of these things. And that's been the same with meditation as well. Um, I definitely found that whilst I may not have a, a solid, disciplined practice of meditation right now anyway, I did have for a period of about six months where I think I meditated pretty much every day. Um, I found that I definitely do try to incorporate mindfulness into my life. Um, that might be like, you know, I'm walking for lunch and I just try and really kind of walk slowly, you know, focus on the feeling of my feet on the floor, on my breath. Um, I'll try and that might be when I'm sitting on the tube as well. I might, I might do something like that. So I found that I definitely incorporate that into my daily life. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me in terms of something that I know is just always of value to me um, and I, I kind of couldn't see my life without now is is having a space um, with it with another person to, to really share, to be open and to be honest and, and, and to be vulnerable with, um, whether that's in coaching, in therapy, whether that's one-on-one, -on -one, in groups, whether you do whether I do that with uh, with my partner or with a friend, but just having that space where I can really with another person um, kind of just be myself really and really yeah. talk about what's going on yeah um, very powerful yeah I, I, I must admit um, and that is very in line with what scientists does as a business as well but for me personally there's there's nothing better than that um, the other the other stuff is good for a daily kind of daily maintenance to, to keep you in line but for the real shifts I, I find that um, yeah, that kind of relational interaction with someone else is is, is the most powerful for me anyway. Mm. Uh, because in doing something like that, I've, I've, I've learned and shifted bigger patterns within me, such as things like, you know, being kinder to myself. Like I, I used to be very, very hard on myself and I probably still am in some cases. And actually that there was a period in my life where I was so strict and disciplined on what this like, daily routine was that if I didn't meditate for 10 minutes in the morning and journal and then do exercise I was beating myself up for it which is completely completely <laughs> the object yeah, really. <laughs> and actually learning to be kinder to myself and and actually in coaching I remember talking a lot about that um that's where the big shift for me happened so that space is, is probably been the most valuable for me great I think that's going to be very helpful we're sadly coming up on time but We've solved, imagine a time in the future where we've solved the majority of, of all the mental health problems. There's no need for Sanctus. Yeah. There's no need for some of the work that I do. What would you be doing? Yeah. I, you know, I challenge whether that will ever be the case, to be fair. I, think, I don't think it will. It's a playful question. <laughs> I, I see a world where the, 
where the stigma around mental health is is, is definitely is definitely gone. Um, yeah. I, I really do, um, and I, I do believe that that through the work that you're doing, that we're doing, and many other people are doing, that the, the perception of mental health is going to change. And I see a world where we talk regularly about our mental fitness, yes. and in that world, I think we will be talking about. I think we will be talking about very people will be having very spiritual conversations. I think people will be talking about, you know, some real, um, what kind of, you know, what food does for your mental health, what possibly some, um, drugs do for your mental health, uh, your mental fitness in that case. And I think people are going to get really interested in, yeah. And how they can, just like we've started to see people drink protein shakes that, to bring more protein into their body uh, after they've worked out. I think there's going to be this whole wave of um, brands and businesses and, and individuals that are going to pioneer um, what mental fitness looks like. Um, and I think it's going to be really exciting for, for the human race, to be honest. I mean, I think it's going to be very exciting when we start to realize that mental health isn't a problem. It's, it's, it's an opportunity. Yes, you know? absolutely. Um, I, I think that, that really excites me and I, 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 hope, I hope I can be part of that, to be honest. Yeah, well, I'm sure you will be. I mean, I think increasingly businesses, and it's early days, but businesses will see mental well-being as a competitive advantage and individually exactly. will start opening up more with role models like yourself, uh, like Jeff and other people who've appeared on this show um, and who's, of course, who haven't. Uh, I think we're going to be that stigma will be removed. And from a kind of scientific point of view, I think what's really exciting is the work we're doing into the gut and the microbiome and understanding how mm. that, of course, through the gut brain access affects mental health. So there's that's a huge growing area of, of science. So I think we'll see big inroads into that as well. But we're out of time, James. Just want to thank you very much um, and acknowledge you for all the good work that you do and being open and helping other people to be open and creating that space where people can share. Um, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. No, thank you very much. And thanks for having me as well. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. And it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.